0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another audio installment of Tiptoe Through the Tulips with your hosts, Aaron Cunningham, Matthias Crook, and Travis Wright. This week, we jump into Chapter 11 of Calvin's Institutes, and we're going to be looking specifically at Sections 1 through 4, and we're going to be talking generally about the image of God and what it looks like to interact with the possibility of making some sort of an image out of that image, and whether or not that's okay. So, um, what, gentlemen, are our general thoughts and reflections on chapter 11, section 1, as it pertains to God being opposed to idols?
1: Well, uh, in section 1, something that stood out to me is, uh, Calvin said that God is the only one fit enough to bear witness to himself. Um, And leading up to that, he he talks about how scripture will put God against idols um, rather than uh, like speculations or philosophies or anything like that. um, Because it makes more sense to us to have that image in our head of an idol of like wood or whatever. Um, So he's basically saying that men are longing for visible forms of God and will always build some kind of idol, whether it's out of wood or stone or clay or gold or whatever. But when we try to make an idol to like to fashion it to what we think God looks like, um, we do a great disservice because only God can bear witness about what he looks like. We can't. We don't have that. Um, we don't have that right.
2: So this whole section has been interesting to me because... It's kind of a new perspective on this. This is something, actually, I would say at this point, and I'm totally open to uh, the discussion and having not only my mind changed, but, like, my mind convinced of uh, different. But I've never seen, like, the thou shalt not make, because it's it states this in the first section when he quotes Exodus uh, 24. Uh, uh, 20, verse 4, um, just to be clear. Uh, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of things anything that is in heaven above, or in the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. Um, so I've never seen that as... Um, I've never seen that as, like, just uh, a... F- a for bay- forbaying? Is that the right word? I don't know. This week on Words, Travis doesn't understand. Anyway, <laughs> um... <laughs> sorry. I've always understood that as... God simply stating not to make idols and not to make a false image of God as an idol. But um, as we've discussed a little before the podcast started, um, you would describe that differently, uh, Matthias, and I think Aaron to a degree. Um, And uh, I'm willing to kind of listen to what you guys have to say. Sure. Yeah, I
0: I don't think I do i think it's exactly how it's quoted from exodus that we're not to make any graven image or likeness of uh of god i'm not sure what's different about that
1: well so you you can draw the distinction here for us travis
2: well yeah so i mean like things and don't get me wrong i i have uh i have always seen um and this is gonna definitely point out to the catholics as the uh the statues of different saints and the statues of, of angels or whatever, it easily can be, that like, that to me shows, I, like, a very easy connection to idolatry, um, just in terms of uh, uh, what they're putting value in, necessarily. But I haven't seen it as so much as, like, uh, I'll give you an example, this is skipping in my notes, but uh, the Sistine Chapel, um, where there is, you know, the image of God stretching out to, to um, man and i've never i didn't see that i've never seen that as um uh a sin i would say or or something to that effect but uh uh go ahead
1: well i when i when i read this i think of um the israelites as they're coming out they decide while moses is up on the mountain to make the golden calf and they do Mm -hmm. it as a way to represent um the god that brought them out of egypt now hold on real real quick do they
2: though do they make it to represent i think they were looking for because they they say to aaron make us a god i don't think they were saying give us give us representation of the god who brought us out of egypt i think they were just looking for a higher power in that stance to which it was corrupted even if it was it was corrupted anyways because it's not a
1: representation well, let me look it up real quick. Somebody, somebody talk while I look this up, and I will... I'll talk. Um, so,
0: I think that, first of all, how can you know that it's not a representation of God? Because God's never told us what he looks like. Um, I mean, really. It's not like we get a description of he's got a human form with two eyes and nostrils and a mouth and two arms and two legs and a torso. Like, we, we don't have a description of that in scripture. So, sure. you know, maybe Aaron was on the right track making a golden calf. I, I don't think so, but, um, you know, well, I think And that, that something... also
2: begs the question of being made in the image of God, which is an entirely different subject, but I think there's a stronger right. case to be made that we somewhat resemble, um, in whatever manner, uh, a likeness similar to God. I don't know. And I, that that...
0: Yeah, and there are wide debates on the interpretation of the Imago Deo, right? So there are a lot of scholars that think that's more referring to our spirit uh, than it is our physical characterization. Right, I found uh, it. Perfect. I was getting tired of stalling.
1: Sorry. Uh, thirty-two, Exodus 32, uh, they say, um, Make us a god. Aaron says, all right, take off all your gold and let's do this. And they did it and they made a golden calf. And he said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And then they built an altar and they made, and then he said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So I take from that, that they were trying to do something to represent the God who brought them out of egypt as a way to like i mean they did it as a way to kind of you know to to worship him they thought um well well but also does yours use the plural of gods yes yeah so that in it's, well
2: that in itself is a mischaracterization though
1: well absolutely and so that's the thing is uh because calvin goes on later to talk about how in this section he says the egyptians made uh animals their gods um, they had birds and cats, and all of their gods rep- were represented by, or other, so most of their gods were represented by other animals. Um, so the Israelites, that's all they knew, was a plurality of gods. They, they knew them to be um, animalistic. And so when they tried to create a representation of the god that brought them out of Egypt, all they knew was a plural gods, and they knew um, that they were, you know, shaped like animals. So they took that and they tried in their own mind to create what they believed this God was. And so they did that. And Calvin here says that was just as corruptible as any other image or any other God that can be put before them. Um, but that was, that was who they assumed their God was just based on their own worldview. Like us today, um, in America, we could, we could you know, I don't know, fashion a dollar bill, and say this is our god who you know the the god of isaac and jacob and uh, all these other guys um but yeah so it it makes sense that they would that they would have the plural gods which brought us out of egypt and then at the same time say let's make a feast to the lord um because that was just that was just what they knew
2: sure sorry reading go ahead
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, even that aside, getting back to kind of your original question, Travis, of, you know, like the Sistine Chapel as an example, uh, I think Calvin's objection still holds where he says, as often as any form is assigned to God, his glory is corrupted by an impious lie. And so basically we are downgrading him to something that can be uh, comprehended by the human mind uh, because any physical depiction is going to be something comprehensible by the human mind and our tendency is to then relegate power and authority to that visible representation and in this case it would be a completely inadequate visible representation and so that's why I think Calvin is so harshly protesting any visible depiction of God because, one, it's not going to do it justice, not going to do him justice. Sure. And, two, uh, our hearts will be inclined to worship the thing over what the thing is supposed to be depicting,
2: and that is God. But doesn't that, this is a joke, but doesn't that sound like a personal problem? And what I mean by that is, so the first thing you said, and I absolutely agree with what you're saying in terms of uh, any depiction would fall short of his glory. And that's true. But that's our worship in in any proper sense. Everything we do in our daily life and every time we try to worship him, it's always going to fall short of the glory of God. Every single thing we do. But does that make our actions not like impious just because we can't give God the full glory he deserves? And um, that's the first part of that is what I would say. But also the second part is... Um, uh, was to your second point. I'm trying to remember what you had said.
1: Uh, oh my gosh. Well, let me, let me answer that real quick. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Because I think Calvin answers that in the section, in the second section. Um, he says all of what he said in uh, chapter or section one can be easily inferred from Deuteronomy four. Um, he quotes specifically Deuteronomy four fifteen, 15. Um, but if you go back a little bit, the, Uh, the Israelites, are. God is talking to the Israelites and he's saying, um, this is who I am, this is what I've done. And he says, uh, the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And then he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is the 10 commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And then he commanded him, commanded me at the time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land. And then in section 50 or chapter verse 15, he says, therefore, watch yourselves very carefully. Since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb in the midst of the fire. Beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal, the likeness of any winged bird or anything that creeps on the ground or any fish that's under the earth. And beware that lest you raise your eyes to heaven, that you may be drawn away to bow down and serve them, which are the things in the stars in the sky. Um, So it seems like the answer to your question is yes. Um, Any any image that is meant to depict God is corruptible. And I would say probably, uh, according to this, sinful, Um, because clearly it says we have we don't know what God looks like. Um, and so if you're going, if you're going to go off of what, you know, don't, don't draw or carve anything.
2: Sure. And I would agree that if, if, if you do it with the intent of trying to figure out God or believe you can encapsulate everything God is in an image, I think that's foolish. And, um, and that's probably, I like that is making for yourself your own idol in your head, a man-made image of God. However, I still struggle to see because as it goes on to other sections that you know God is depicted as, um, or the Holy Spirit is depicted as a dove descending um, onto Jesus. That's uh, during his baptism, correct? Yes. Yes, thank you. Um, but also we see God in the form of like a burning bush, and we see God in the form of, um, uh, I believe, um, pillar even of Cal- fire,
0: pillar yeah. of clouds, exactly.
2: Yeah. But my question is, like, are depictions of that then, like, for example, in a Sunday school where, uh, you know, the little felt figures, I I know you know them, I know you know those felt figures. Oh, the flanagraphs? Oh, yeah. Now, are those, now I have a question, if a Sunday school teacher is using those to teach children about Jesus and about, you know, God, is that being, is that breaking the commandment there?
0: So I think that we need to, we need to... Relegate this to the context in which Calvin intended to relegate it in these chapter, or this chapter at least. So we are talking about the first person of the Godhead. We're talking about God the Father. We're not talking about the incarnate Jesus Christ, although I would love to discuss the damage— uh, that the white Christian Jesus portrayal of flannel graphs has probably caused to the Christian church over the centuries. Um, well, not but, only that,
1: but the father is depicted as a white male as well in many paintings. This is Teen Chapel, and film, so, for example.
0: Right. Um, and then additionally, uh, one thing I wanted to point out with like him talking about the Holy Spirit... Um, descending like a dove in the baptism, I looked up in all four Gospels uh, what it actually said about that, and everyone says, like a dove. Um, only one, and I believe it is, um, John, says the form of a dove. Um, and so... I I don't know if it was actually looked like the bird, or if it was just something that we comprehended as a bird. But anyway, I don't think that's even relevant here, and shame on Calvin for bringing it up, because, again, he's talking about the first person of the Trinity, not necessarily the Son and the Holy Spirit. But um, in,
2: that, in that case, you're attributing what he's bringing up, and that it is the first person of the Trinity, but he also brings up that too. So, I mean...
0: Yeah, I don't see any context in which which it is helpful to subscribe or ascribe a physical depiction to them, to be honest with you. I think it has far more potential for calamity than for good uh, to fixate on a physical image of what we believe God to look like.
2: Okay, that Uh, that actually was a good way, I think, of putting it, because I do agree with the idea of that. Um,
0: And, you you know, I did want to respond to one thing you said, Travis, because you tried mm -hmm. to make the distinction that uh, isn't that a personal problem? And I guess I would say, yeah, but the problem is it's a personal problem that every person struggles with, right? All of humanity has this desire to ascribe physical attributes to anthropomorphize God. And Mm -hmm. so if it's something that we're all struggling with— Um, then, yeah, it might be a personal problem, but if it's a personal problem we all have, I don't see that distinction as being helpful.
2: Sure, no, I just meant that in the terms, and I meant it in a joking fashion, but I meant it in terms of if someone corrupts what uh, God has told us or made, that that is, in a sense, their problem. Now, I'm not saying that's not a problem that we all face. We do at times, but some of us will be able to, by the grace of God, resist that sin or be able to get past it, you know, what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I guess, and then that goes back to what I said a minute ago of why wouldn't we want to mitigate those opportunities and not do that? Because if it's enough to let some people stumble and sin, um, and probably the majority of history is indicative of anything, uh, why wouldn't we just seek to avoid that temptation altogether?
1: So what is part of what he says here is that all symbols and all shapes and all pictures um, are superstitious and corruptions. Um, so what does that do for like um, like the Trinity, like the you know what I'm talking about the I think it's called the tri, Tricerta or um, the Trinity Knot, I think. Um, is that uh, is, it the- is that a violation of this commandment according to Calvin? Is that the, the Gaelic knot? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know what it's called. It's like the, it's like the, the, I don't know, the three. It looks like, know.
2: uh, three treble clefs at the tops so of them kind of intertwining. Yeah. Um, something like that. And it's, it's triangle in like triangular in mostly shape with ra- like circular right, rounded. Right. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, see, and I, I, I don't know. Cause I mean, cause that, that gets to another point too, is like, uh. Um, we use a triangle just to describe the Trinity in itself. Um, like how I've always been told about it is you have at the top of the triangle is um, God at the top point, And then at the like bottom two points, you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And then you have arrows pointing at the other two. And that says like Jesus is not God and Jesus is. And let me be very clear. He is God. He's separate from, though, in a sense. And then at the same time, you have an arrow pointing towards the center that says everything is also God. And it's like trying to say, you know, we can't comprehend this. But is that an image of God in a sense?
0: Yeah, and I've got a problem with it. (laughs) Uh, not, Not to be pedantic, though, but I mean, really, I do think it does present a problem because... I know that I've fallen into this mistaken line of thinking before, where I look at that triangle image and I see God at the top, and then at the two bottom angles I see the Son and the Holy Spirit, and my mind automatically imputes a hierarchy and says, okay, God the Father is superior to the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I don't think as Christians that believe in a Trinitarian God, it's healthy for us to view it that way. I think all three members of the Trinity have to be co-eternal and co-omnipresent, omnipotent, and um, omniscient. And so these physical depictions can lead us into faulty thinking because, I mean, we probably just assume what's in the image is correct, and we don't even realize that we're making those assumptions half the time.
2: Sure, but that's also your interpretation of it. Like, I've actually not, I'll, I'll, I'll be quite honest, that hasn't seemed to be an issue for me when I've used that, thinking that God is superior to the others. I, I think it, it is such a hard thing to talk about, because I think you're right. You can get bogged down in the minutia, and you can get bogged down in the fact that you're too focused on, on um, or you're too, you're not too focused. You are focused on things that it doesn't ascribe to God, or should ascribe to God, um, but at the same time, I mean, how do we go about explaining God in any relevant light without giving examples of just, I mean, we have to use examples.
1: Well, giving examples is different than creating an image of who he is. Uh, like for example, Isaiah, um, talks about God holding all of the waters of the earth in his hand. Um, but we know that God has a spirit and so God doesn't have a hand like we do, um, but that's different than drawing a picture of you know God on a cloud with angels, and God is a, a white male with a, a long white beard. Um, there's there's a way to to explain it because we have to we have to like God it essentially like has to make sense to us enough for us to explain him. Um, and so as long as we're using biblical language, we're we're within those those confines. But I think it's clear that God has pretty plainly said, be careful. Don't do this. Don't make an image of me because you don't know what I look like, and therefore any image you make will inevitably inevitably corrupt or be corrupted. Mm
0: -hmm. Right, and then the equally dangerous second half to that is we imbue this image with the power and authority of God and relegate him to this physical entity. Right and uh, and that's equally problematic. So it it hurts our view of God, and then it also directs our view of God to the wrong thing.
1: And okay. I I want to I want to point something out because I thought it was really interesting, and it kind of goes to what you guys were talking about earlier, um, where you know like because you guys were talking about whether it's a personal problem or whether it's widespread, and Calvin says. Um, It is obvious that the defenders of images resort to a paltry quibbling... Or a paltry... Shoot, I lost my place. How did I lose my place so quickly? I don't
2: know. Real quick, I just wanted to say that when I say it's a personal problem, I don't mean to say that a bunch of people don't struggle with it or everyone doesn't struggle with it. I just mean to say the the corruption of that can be seen on an individual level. Sure, sure. And I found 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 my place. Go
1: Um, ahead. So the point that he's making here is... Um, these people are wrong when they say that it was just for the Jews to for forbidding the Jews from using images because they were superstitious, because it says, uh, as if a prohibition, which the Lord founds on his own eternal essence and the uniform course of nature could be restricted to a single nation. Um, so because this, this prohibition is founded on the essence of God and on, uh, the, the natural course of nature. Um, we can then establish that it is a prohibition throughout. Um, if it's based on his character, then it is an eternal prohibition. If if that makes sense, I th- I mean that's how I'm reading it.
2: Uh, I'm not totally sure. I zoned out totally. Um, but I'm sorry, it happens, guys, and it's just no, it's it happens one of those
1: to me things. a lot. You're good. Um, one I have thing that I was effect gonna on people. Is, yeah. One. Th- <laughs>
2: One thing I was going to say is, um, I think we could probably go and uh, table this for now and continue on because we haven't actually referenced. I mean, you've referenced back to Calvin a little bit, but uh, you guys probably have more points to make. So I'm going to throw it back to your guys' notes.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know if that's necessary. I, obviously, Matthias, I think you have a couple of questions that you wanted to get to, and we can do that. But. I mean, really, sections one through four are all tackling the same issue, um, and I think that you know our conversation has kind of touched on different points of each section. So I'm okay with this being a less linear uh, analysis and just more of a dialogue about what our thoughts are on this and what Calvin's thoughts are on this. Um, Matthias, did you have questions that you wanted to address?
1: Yeah, uh, mainly they're just, they're really not uh, having to do with the substance of the, the sections. Um, but in section three, um, he gets into an argument that uh, the carving of the cherubim on the, the holy seat or the, um, uh, what's, where's it at? Um, it says that the uh, cherubim were, uh, they belonged to the old tutelage of the law. Um, I didn't really know why that mattered. Um, it, it seems like all of these commands and prohibitions were a part of the same tutelage of the old law. Uh, so why why is that part of his argument?
0: I don't have a good answer for that. I think that's a, a weird place to rest for authority.
2: Right. Well, and I, I do think his, his argument of kind of where it was located was interesting in terms of, you know, it was in the tabernacle, it was in the Holy of Holies, um... So, I mean, it's kind of a very specified um, place, but I mean, I don't know if that's totally satisfactory in terms of, like, well, this is the reason why they were able to do it.
0: Sure. Well, and in the, in the better part of his argument is where he's talking about how they're depicted with their wings covering their faces as though they're unworthy to look upon the throne of God. Um, I'm good with that. I, I'm with you, though, Matthias. I think
1: I don't understand what he's talking about the old tutelage of the law. I I liked all of his other arguments. I liked the fact that um, they were, uh, God commissioned the, the create or the the carving of them. Um, They were done in a way to, uh, to hide the mercy seat. Um, So that way there can be no presupposition. And I think he was speaking directly to the Catholic church because I know that in their, um, in their catechism, they take this uh, this command and they say, "Here's what we believe." But I mean, we also see that the cherubim have been created, so you know they kind of use that as a justification. So he, it sounds like he's almost going directly towards them on that. Um, but it just seems strange for him to say, "Well, that's also that was that was the Old Testament, um, so that doesn't that doesn't matter to us today." Um, because I feel like you could say the the same thing about the prohibition altogether. Um, I just thought that was I thought it was a weird a weird place to, like you said, to rest his authority for one of his arguments. I feel like he could have done without it.
2: Real quick, I believe mm-hmm. also the cherubim are also sewn into some of the sheets on the tabernacle, aren't they? I have no idea. We we just read this well, I say we just read this. I'm forty eight days behind, but that's fine. Um I just read this uh <laughs> a little while ago, and uh I am I am almost positive that uh Um, on the sheets, uh, either inside the uh, tabernacle or on, like, facing the outside, had images of cherubim sewn into them. And it may be in the same sense of them covering their faces, but that's a lot different than, like, the the Ark of the Covenant being in the Holy of Holies.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, all of that, though, I'm not sure really goes anywhere, because... We're not looking at a prohibition of creating images of angelic beings. We're talking about a prohibition of the image of God. And although I will say, I think there are also many dangers of fixating on angelology and creating. Uh, you know, depictions of angels, I think there's a lot of temptation to go awry with that as well. I don't see that prohibition as clearly enumerated in Scripture um, or in Calvin's arguments in these sections of chapter 11.
2: But doesn't he say, sorry, real quick, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of a likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is in the earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. So what does he mean? Does he just mean specifically when he says um, that in heaven above, just that of God?
1: Well, it also says that you shall not bow down to them or serve them. Um, and so I wonder if maybe, um, and I again, I, I haven't done enough study on this, but the way that I read it in in its context um, would almost seem to say, don't create any great, like, carved image um that you like would depict a god or depict an idol um that you would then bow to um so i think that any any image of god himself i think is really what is uh being talked about here again i don't know i wish i had done more study on that section particularly before i got on today Um, so a question for you guys in section three, he also says, so he, basically he says, God has come in signs before, whether it's the, uh, pillar of fire, the pillar of smoke, uh, the Holy spirit comes as a dove. But then he also says that God sometimes appeared as a man, but only as a way to point to Jesus. My question is where, where, where did God come as a man? Um, is he talking about like the angel of the Lord or is there something that I'm missing? Um, So, I don't think he's specifically referencing
0: theophanies in the Old Testament uh, here, Um, although I would say that there's great arguments for theophanies in any time the angel of the Lord is referenced, as well as a lot of people make that argument for Melchizedek being a type or a shadow of Christ. Um, What I think he's probably specifically referring to is, like, when he manifests himself... um, as what appeared to be the gardener outside of the tomb on Easter Sunday, or the man who is walking along the road to Emmaus uh, when he had blinded his, you know, disciples to who he really was. I'm guessing that might be more what he's referring to.
2: Well, and what about also um, um, Israel, who wrestles with God, or, well, um, in that sense, so that that's Old Testament, but, I mean, wouldn't that also... And, I mean, we don't know necessarily if that was a physical, like, wrestling match. I mean, or do we? Is it translated as such?
0: Well, it talks about dislocating his hip. So, yeah, I so would say it's so probably pretty physical. From the top rope! <laughs> 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 yeah, so, I mean, I think Theophanies could be included in that. But I think there's also... Because he's talking... Yeah, I guess I guess we should include them, right? Because he's talking about anything that's pointing to Christ, and obviously the point of any theophany is to point forward to the coming of Christ. Uh, but I also think that his subsequent appearances post resurrection uh, also would be in this category as well.
1: That was all the questions I had for you guys. Um, so we can we can keep talking, but I I have no other substantive questions. Uh, I do want to point out that more than once, he says something along the lines of, it's a shame that men who are not Christians or not believers have a better sense of this than, and he says it, not me, uh, better sense of this than the papists. Um, He talks about Augustine's um, uh, response to Seneca or his uh, Seneca's discussion through Augustine where it says that uh, they basically take the sacred and the immortal and the invisible gods and they dress them in the clothing of men and beasts. Um, That's in section two. And then in section three, he says uh, that someone named Juvenal, who I've never heard of before, uh, apparently derided the Jews for worshiping thin clouds and firmament. Um, And he says that he does so perversely and impiously Yet still in denying that any visible shape of the deity existed among them, he speaks more accurately than the papists who prate about there having been some visible image. Um, And I think that's something that I've seen, something similar that I've seen in my own, you know, experience is uh, people who would say like, uh, well, like what you were saying earlier, Aaron, that, you know, why is Jesus a white man? You know, why is God always depicted as a white man? And I think that that's I think that's a really really good point. Um, I think that it was it was done in the same way that the, the Israelites created the calf. It was done by men who who were creating based on what they knew, and what they saw. But think of the damage that it's done, right? I mean, um, so many people um, who are not white would will probably more likely not want to turn to this Christ who is white because it seems as though he is just the god of the white people. Um, And it's sad that people outside of the tribe are more quick to recognize that it is just a false image faster than most people uh, within the tribe.
0: Right, yep. And even even though I don't think that's going to be the ultimate issue that prevents someone from coming to Christ, it's certainly another obstacle that we have to address seemingly needlessly. Like, why would we set ourselves up to have to overcome that when it would be easier to just not do that at all and not have it be an issue. So yeah, I think you bring up a good point. Um, The other thing that I just want to observe from these first four sections is I think it's important also to remember the history um, of what's going on at the time. I mean this is uh, the Reformation era, it's the 16th century, Uh, the Protestant Church is emerging out of the Catholic Church at this time, and obviously the Catholic Church was inundated with religious symbols and figures, figurines, Um, and so sometimes um, Calvin takes a really harsh tone, and it might even be a little bit of an overreaction uh, to all of the imagery of the Catholic Church. I think clearly uh, in scripture, we see that God is a fan of art. He is a fan of beauty. Uh, he commissions, you know, all of this beautiful arts and all these artisans to create his tabernacle. And then again, when they create the temple, uh, he very much cares about beauty and images. Uh, however, um, You know, Calvin obviously is pretty harsh and intolerant of those. And I think sometimes that's a bit of an overreaction to what he experienced while in the Catholic Church. Um, So I think we should be careful to note that we are not, and I don't think God is telling us to demonize all artwork, all beauty. Um, I think that his beauty can be manifest in art uh, but we do have to be careful about what exactly who exactly we're trying to depict and for what purpose are we attempting to depict that individual
1: right no i think it's a sure I think it's a really good point
2: real quick i just wanted to bring it back to and i'm sorry but for lot, or for consistency um when i was asking earlier about you know if a sunday school would if that would be considered a sin to have a depiction of jesus though Um, I mean, you guys brought up the fact of white Jesus, which I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, it's very dumb and it's very exclusionary um, to think that way and just logically inconsistent. But I mean, if you're able to draw to that from this section, I don't understand why my thing earlier wasn't uh, connected necessarily.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know, because obviously Jesus did come in a visible form. Um, and so he, he's got, there's got to be different rules for that. Um, but I think at the same time, it is, st- we should still be very cautious because even though the disciples saw him, mm-hmm. there are no photographs of him. Um, we've never seen him. Um, and so I, I, I think it would still be careful. I do want to point out, I, I worked at a church a few years ago um, in the youth group. And I was going through our our closet full of like uh, the supplies for like paper and, and glue and stuff like that. Oh, that's what and they're calling it these days. I found I found this this figurine of Jesus, and when you pushed his, the button on his back, he would say things like, um, "Well, you know, I don't know who uh, you are forgiven," or something like that, right? Um, in a really oh. masculine voice, but. <laughs> there was a second figurine. It was the exact same Jesus. And this one didn't have a shirt on and <laughs> Jesus was like ripped. It looked like, <laughs> it looked like they took the body of like a superhero and then just put like, I don't know, a bearded guy's face on top of that body. I mean, he was jacked. He had pecs on pecs. He had traps up to his shoulder, like up to his neck, um, like up to his ears. Um, Anyway, so I've always, whenever I think of uh, depicting Christ, I always think if you're going to do it wrong, that's like, if you're, if you've got a spectrum, that's on the far end of the spectrum of how not to do it. Um, Then there's got to be some somewhere kind of in the middle where you can do it properly (laughs) because obviously he is described as a man. He is described as someone with a beard. And so we can kind of have a, we have a better depiction of who he is, but I doubt he was like, you know, jacked and like just proteined up you know what I mean
2: I don't know I think there's a case to be made there I mean just he's I'm, I don't know look at that I'm totally joking sorry <laughs>
1: that is funny I mean, he, make... he
0: was perfection incarnate so it seems logically consistent to me there
1: you go. I guess but
0: anyway uh yeah so...
1: I, I think that I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if Calvin will talk about that in later chapters um, what a Jesus action figure no, not a yeah. Jesus action figure. <laughs> no, but I do wonder if he's gonna if he's gonna tackle that that topic. Um, maybe even in this section, I haven't I haven't read far enough in to know. So
2: I don't know why I just I just got an image of with you telling me about that figurine that I forgive you. It just I'm sorry. It made me think of like if the Reformation happened nowadays, uh, the Catholic Church handing out little Jesus action figures for a dollar, saying I forgive you. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just what immediately came to my mind. Like a toy indulgence, I like it. A toy indulgence, yeah. Happy meal. And
0: on that note, I think that's (laughs) all the time we have to endure on this subject uh, for this week. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Tiptoe Through the Tulips. And until next time, keep persevering.